This show is brought to you by Bridge Up. Money, money, money. It's so funny in a rich man's world. Yes, we're talking about revenue. More specifically, the importance of revenue. In today's episode of Revenue Decoded, we'll cover the A to Z's of getting revenue through the door and how to implement a continuous revenue stream for your SaaS company. So pump up the volume as we dive deep into the revenue ocean. Hello everyone and welcome to the Revenue Decoded podcast. In this episode, SaaS industry co-founder Benjamin Matthew gets virtually up close and professional and slightly personal with Nishay Pradhan, who is one of the founding partners of FaveC. FaveC is a venture-building platform which helps exceptional non-tech founders who are solving large problems build digital-first businesses. With FaveC, you get access to business intelligence, tech platforms, capital ecosystem, and insights on venture-building. Listen on as Nishay shares his journey of becoming a founding partner at FaveC and his understanding of financing models within the market to help new founders set up their own ventures. Enjoy. Hey, Nishay, welcome to the show. Hi, Ren. How's it going? All good, all good. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come and uh, speak with us. Uh, it's, it's really a pleasure to have you on the show. Just to kick things off, um, I just want to run through a little about yourself. If you can just tell us uh, where you're coming in from and what you do and a little about your company, and then we can take it forward from there. Okay. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to thank you guys for having me over. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, now that we are recording this on a Friday evening, I also wanted to especially thank you for uh, being patient with me on, on the timelines because nobody <laughs> no wants worries. to do, yeah, nobody wants to record this at uh, on a Friday itself <laughs> and specifically <laughs> totally. the last part of the Friday itself, right? So, so yeah, um, what I'll do is I'll actually start with a bit of my personal story, uh, right? And uh, how I actually ended up, uh, you know, working along with some of the people that I uh, did for FAFC and the way we actually work. So uh, first, very basic stuff. Uh, uh, so I'm one of the founding partners in FFC. Um There are three founding partners and there are five partners. Uh, I am one. Uh, I specifically look into product. Uh, currently, I, I, I specifically look, at, I work along with the founders in creating products. And I'll, I'll talk, talk about a little bit of FFC before that, before I start getting into what the different partners are doing at what different levels. Itself, right? So, um, so FFC is a company, it's a venture builder. Uh, to define what a venture builder is, venture builder basically co-builds ventures with founders. And typically in our case, what we focus and we love to focus on is non-tech founders. Right? Non-tech and founders. Non-tech founders. Like founders who don't have a technical background, uh, specifically who want to get into the digital aspect of it, whether it is Web 1.0, no, not Web 1.0. Web 2.0 and Web 3.0 technologies. We've sort of, uh, we've not really done a lot of Web 3, but we've done a lot of Web 2 sort of startups uh, where uh, specifically uh, our niche is towards focusing on non-tech founders because there are a couple of things, right? So one very specific thing which we realize is that uh, where the non-tech founders have a huge edge over tech founders is that they understand the market far better. They have a better understanding of revenue. They have a better understanding of traction and how it works in the market, 
right? So that's where our actually thesis starts. And what they really just need is basically someone to help them build this sort of product as well as help them navigate through the whole digital ecosystem, which is there. Because there's a huge change in how the digital ecosystem works. You know, there are VC funding. The, 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 the entire ecosystem works very different from a very traditional service orientation itself. Right. And uh, uh, for me, when, when people talk about products uh, and services, right, product versus services is always a question which a lot of founders typically ask. Uh, it's nothing to do with uh, tech, actually, when you're talking about it from a digital product perspective. It's actually a mindset which has to change. Uh, and the key mindset which is there is that in services, what, what uh, used to happen and what still happens is that you think about something of an idea uh, while you're operating in, in, in a venture. And you start implementing that instantaneously. You actually go through the motions while uh, uh, building a services company. Uh, whereas with a product or a digital product or a digital mindset, uh, it's actually planned before. So what you have to do is you have to actually stop yourself from doing whatever it is. You have to uh, set systems and processes. And you have to set certain things in alignment to make it digital and make it scalable from that particular perspective. So... With that in mind, we actually started, uh, uh, we currently focus on just non-tech founders uh, and we work in building these ventures along with them. Now, uh, what does a venture builder do in those uh, and what does co-building entail? Uh, typically, it, it, it is from, uh, you know, a lot of research, a lot of strategy work, which we end up doing with the founders, uh, you know, figuring out uh, a good position to start on their ideas, for example. Then, you know, building from their ideas, uh, how do we strategically go to market with that idea? What is that MVP that we're looking out for that we can sort of get up and running in the first month or so, or the first uh, first two months of working along with us, you know, and start going towards and going to market uh, with the whole thing itself. So that's one. Uh, and, you know, then working towards, uh, you know, getting that implemented from a tech perspective, right? You know, getting the app up, getting the platform up, getting the entire uh, ecosystem up on that particular side. Uh, at the same time, also working very closely to understand how they, these guys will be operating in what capacity, right? Uh, to make sure that, A, uh, you know, whatever product is being built is being built in cohesion with what actually should be there in the market itself, right? So the non-tech founders with that sort of insight coming uh, to us uh, actually really helps in understanding and building the product. And you, start, you literally get them to go towards product market fit, in essence. So, so we get an idea of what an idea market fit is. So, so we have an idea market fitment exercise, which is called DREK, which is D-R-E-K, which stands for Differentiation, Relevance, Engagement, and Knowledge. So it's a scoring-based system that we have uh, where we do our research. And that's how we actually pick ideas that we like to back. So there are two factors that we always look on who to work along with, right? Because ours is a purely equity-driven model. It's not a it's not a, a fee-based model that we typically work along with people. So for us, uh, it becomes of matter of utmost importance that we pick out the right set of people, right? So the two checks which you have to do is a is there a landscape where uh, a lot of opportunities are available, right? So so there are basic things, right? So are there too many competitors in this market landscape that we're talking about? And if there are, have they uh, 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 you know, raise significant funding 
because they can outspend these guys. So if someone reads like Series A, Series B types uh, in a particular landscape, for example, and there are three, four companies already, it's a hard pass for us from an idea perspective because that market is slightly, uh, you know, uh, filled up with certain people already in that particular side. So, so that's one check, right? And the second most important check is how strong is the founder, right? So we have to always dwell between uh, how strong is uh, the founder, how uh, can can he build something along with us in some capacity, right? Uh, do we see him as or him or her as like a good partner to build this venture along with? Uh, so these are the two factors which we typically look into before we pick. And then what we do is we open up our resource pool uh, from uh, various things, right? So from product, which we're talking about strategy, a lot of research, which goes into that. Uh, then uh, looking into from a UX, UI perspective, uh, then, you know, also building up the product, branding of the product, um, you know, the tech aspect of the product, uh, which gets into, gets involved uh, where coding and a lot of stuff that we've already done on tech sort of gets utilized. Um, on, on top of that, what we also have is a, a, a very proficient uh, investment team. We have a product called First Check, which is a master angel network, if I can call it that. And uh, it typically uh, helps founders uh, to get access to that first check, literally, uh, uh, at a very seed early idea stage level itself. Uh, obviously, the founders in, 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 in their capacity, what they... Uh, uh, get access to is all the services that we have on top of that uh, the investors in the angel network uh, in the form of first check uh, get access to the founders good ideas good ventures that they can sort of back along with uh, the fact that there is fafsi who's also co-building along with them. so so they sort of co-invest uh, so in in first check it's co-investing with us uh when fafsi bb it is co-building with the founders. so we're two uh we're actually focused in two different areas. Uh, one is the angel investor side of it through first check. With FCBB, we are very focused towards founders itself, right? And uh, obviously, after that, what we have is uh, we, we obviously have first check, which is there, which keeps on looking at making sure if there is access to more capital that uh, the founders need as they grow further to build teams, to do, uh, you know, to do their GTMs, to put in uh, money for you know traction and all of that stuff. Uh, first check typically looks at that also as the uh, ventures go along. Uh, additionally, uh, we've also built fund partnerships in the form of, so we have a fund currently a fund partnership in the form of uh, Open Book VC, which is uh, a VC which got uh, started around December last year. And uh, what we have as a partnership over there is uh, is is that they'll be looking at, exclusively looking at our portfolio ventures to sort of lead rounds at an angel lead and a series a level itself right so we've already funded say i think uh, five to six startups in our uh, uh, in our portfolio they've already given it to uh, six odd companies uh, the term sheets on that particular side so uh, we have that sort of ecosystem that we have um, we are also coming out with new properties uh, so we have something called inbi which is their idea is not built yet uh, which is basically a mixture of two things, right? So it's a bunch of services that we believe uh, an idea stage founder would sort of need, uh, which is typically towards more on uh, helping them get towards the right uh, idea. So typically the folks which come at FFCBB have more or less their vision of the idea sorted out. 
but uh, when we did like a quick study on folks coming in they've actually come in after like 8 to 9 odd months into into their journey to us right so we typically thought about what we can sort of do and work along with these guys at a very very early stage even earlier than when they come to us right and what are the services that they would really appreciate uh we we there we have like uh, physical spaces uh, typically these are cafe spaces that uh, we sort of have uh, taken up uh, exclusively and on top of that there are services where, which sort of help the founders uh, you know engage with other founders other founders who have been successful other investors and understand their mindset uh, along with that they have access to a lot of the venture analysts uh, uh that we have in the fcbb pool uh so that they can start bouncing their ideas off start chipping changing researching helping them in some research capacity to arrive at what they really want to do right it, that's the journey which typically you will see like someone's typically uh you know quit the job uh, there are multiple trigger points over there that can possibly lead to that with different varying ambitions that they come in right but they've just started they've just just started they've have they have like a insane uh, ambition uh, towards building something right and we don't want to kill that right so uh, over there what we do is we 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 sort of work along with some of these guys and provide a certain set of services uh, which can possibly help them to get to works uh, maybe getting into fcvb uh, maybe not if, even if they don't want to get into fcvb they can get towards you know really building that whole process up from there itself but helping them structure all of this as as they go along so uh, there is that uh, there's a bunch of other things that we will be launching this year um, and it's it's a very interesting uh, time for us because we are scaling as we speak as 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 currently we speak uh, and the beautiful part about the soul thing is that we've actually been uh, we just got uh, you know uh, positive in terms of our balance sheets also uh, last year so we broke even over there and uh, and uh, this year it's all growth new initiatives and growth is what we are typically focusing on right so it's a very interesting time uh, so that's about fcc bb and the various things that we do over there um, a little bit about me as to how i got into it it's a very interesting story uh, it starts with a gentleman called pranav chaturvedi uh, he is if i have to call him he's the main founder amongst the lot of us uh, the three of us there's harshit there is uh, pranav pranav chaturvedi harshit joshi uh, then there are partners uh, there's yamika yamika leads the whole first check initiative internally and uh, she's the she's the lady behind uh, uh, all the revenues that come in she's, she's the chief revenue officer if i could call it that in turn <laughs> she would not like this but i will say that out loud uh, and then she, there is she's Ash- the one you need to go to for all the money needs <laughs> in a in a manner of speaking yeah yeah she's the one who handles uh, all the investors she leads the product uh, on on the first tech side of things so she's the lady she's the boss lady nice and uh, then you have ashish adwani who typically leads the whole project plus uh, tech initiative at our end so between the four of us we have uh, uh, these three things we also have milap singh jadeja who's come in is actually a, a partner in the form for open book vc he's he's over there he's also uh, i mean so our relationship with open book vc is, is is a very close relationship so we actually consider them a, a part of, of a of a larger fcc family uh, 
but it's a sister concern at all levels itself right so we have a very close working relationship so milap over there is uh, in open book as a partner uh, so in essence that's the sort of ecosystem that we've created um uh, coming back to my story um i am hugely indebted to a lot of things and a lot of people but mostly to pranav um, so the story goes something like this that you know pranav actually taught me uh, so pranav is 10 years senior to me uh, and he's 10 years senior to me from a college perspective also because he and i went to the same college oh wow and he's a serial entrepreneur um, so i think this is his fourth venture if i'm not correct i mean i've, I've lost track of sort talking with him as <laughs> but uh, i mean this is something that we've started uh, uh, together when 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 way back in 2015 right uh, and it's been a while since then so the story of how i met pranav uh, is a story of how i actually ended up uh, working at safe sleep right so pranav taught me uh, he taught me uh, because i was uh, giving my entrance exams for the same college so the college is called shahid sukhdev college of business studies it's uh, it's a very reputed college when it comes down to business uh, undergrad business degrees uh, one of the few colleges which gives out uh, a bbs degree which is a which is a specialized course towards management i did not do that degree but i did another degree which has a specialization in finance called bachelor's in financial investment analysis um so his first i think it, that was his second startup uh, his second startup was uh, towards uh, education and uh, you know preparation for education various exams on the commerce side of things which is non iit uh, led it's called pratham um, he had three two three partners over there on that particular side uh, my journey with him starts with him teaching me over there and him and i having a great relationship as teacher and student in some capacity right so right um, I feel lucky that uh, I don't know what he saw in me, but uh, as I grad, I went to in college, uh, he kept on being in touch with me, right? And then he taught me finance also, right? In some capacity, so that was his second startup, which was more towards uh, financial education and financial trading courses that were created, which he actually in fact sold off to uh, NSC, right? So that division of uh, the education arm was sold to NSC. again it might be bsc also i'm i'm not really clear but one of the two main stock exchanges that he was able to sell this uh, venture across to but i also uh, was taught by him in that particular area um pranav along with that has uh, a very unique distinction because there's another company that he was able to list on nasdaq right and uh, for wow. founders yeah for founders uh, that is some sort of a holy grail so he not the main nasdaq portal but the nasdaq otc portal he was able to list that and um, that must have been around when i was 20 years old uh, i must have been in my second year of college and i remember still remember that call coming in uh, from him that you know he wanted me to sit down come down and start working on the research for listing uh, the company itself and that was a weirdly great opportunity for me i i i am grateful that he he chose me in some capacity i don't know i still to this date i have a chat with him on a regular basis like what did you see right uh, like because this was just me right i've not done anything <laughs> notable work in my life so his answers keep on changing because he's pulling my leg basically uh, <laughs> so yeah 
So uh, that uh, led me to having a great exposure on, and that was like a longish project, right? So it was uh, a good four, five to six or month project, which was there. I got to see a lot of things. I got to see uh, compliances. I got to see financing. I got to see strategy. I got to see strategic GTMs in, in how to go about doing IPOs, for example. So it was all in all a very great experience for me. and. Uh, Obviously, as uh, I was graduating around that same time, uh, I initially, I, I, I never sat for placement because I never wanted to sit for placements. That was the first answer to uh, my thing because I was very entrepreneurial in college as well. Uh, and I had like these couple of these college startups, which I was also doing on the side. Uh, and again, I was always consistently in touch with Pranav because uh, he kept on giving me these unique opportunities. He even wanted to find one of the college startups which I had. Uh, I had that recollection with him. Of, of Obviously, I didn't want to uh, take the money from him from that particular one because I was not very clear along with the people that I was working along with as to what will happen once uh, these guys start graduating because I was a year junior to most of these guys. Itself. And... Uh, what was interesting was that uh, I graduated. I was helping a friend set up his marketing agency around that same time. Uh, I also happened to, uh, this was, uh, must have been around uh, 2014, for example. Right. So uh, around that time, uh, I was supposed to start working also uh, as a product manager inside Paytm. So that was an offer which was there. And uh, if you knew what was happening with Paytm, Paytm was just a recharge app back then, right? So correct, correct. it was, uh, it is a very unique story over there also. Uh, but around the same time when I was, I mean, I sort of had the friend set up the marketing agency and I was trying to figure out what next to do in my life, right? Um, this Paytm opportunity was there and obviously then uh, Pranav called out of the blue. He asked me what I, what was I up to? <laughs> And uh, I said, uh, nothing of importance is what I told <laughs> right? And uh, that led to a couple of conversations uh, uh, at two different cafes. Uh, and he said that, Nishra, I want to build something like FFC, right? And what is in the current of that? Um, the current model, we always had that at the early stages of what we wanted to build because his experience on investments, right? So, Pratham, which is the test prep company that he has. It's a unit positive company. It's always been profitable. It's always been, in fact, must be doing around 20 to 30 CR worth in revenue. And hugely, hugely beta positive in terms of, uh, and specifically because of education, it's typically a beta positive companies which sort of come out over there. Right. So uh, he started investing into a lot of ed tech companies and he burnt a lot of money. And I was a part of a lot of those research projects when he was putting in money into these companies itself. So, as I said, so it, no, it was not just NASDAQ. He uh, gave me a lot of these opportunities uh, uh, throughout, you know. Uh, so you literally learned hands-on. Like, yeah, in, in essence, like with right? him. Yes, yes. With yeah. him, I literally learned hands-on how to, how to evaluate companies, what are the correct set of measures, what are the things. And uh, obviously, the results were uh, pretty average to be seen. Uh, and that was predominantly because uh, one company had given him all the returns, right? And uh, in in around uh, 12 to 15 odd ed tech companies or educational-based companies that he invested in, 
uh, only one or two really actually performed. The rest sort of uh, went down, right? And uh, that's when we actually first came to the problem statement. And that's when he also reached out to me when we started talking. We started talking about this experience of investing that we had, right? So he said that, you know, uh, and I mean, I sort of concurred with him when, when we were having this conversation at the coffee table itself uh, at the cafe. He said that, you know, there are two types of founders, right? There's tech founders and then there are non-tech founders. Tech founders have a great capability of understanding what a digital mindset is. They, they work with proper planning. You know, they have their agile methods, the waterfall methods of project management, you know, product management. So they understand structured approaches of building something, right? But what they don't understand is maybe the understanding of market need, right? Uh, and that's a huge cost when it comes down to when you're talking from a founder's perspective. So he, he literally said this for tech founders. And uh, I, I sort of concur, by the way, till this date, that is the, these are the two base premises that we worked on, right? So uh, getting market insights uh, at a tech founder level are tough. The ones who have great market insights do really, really fantastically well, right? On, on the tech founder side. On right. the non-tech founder side, uh, the challenge is the opposite, right? Uh, they typically come in from a very services mindset. Uh, services mindset, if, if, if I have to just break this down, and is is a mindset where you're actually going through the motion. You know, you're saying that you know, hey, I can sell this approach to someone, and I will do this as a service, and I'll make this very turn. Right. So the challenge over there is that uh, it will always be revenue. It will always be positive in terms of uh, profitability, but it will not scale. It will not impact a large number of people in whatever capacity and it will not grow that. Much. It has a huge issue uh, in scaling up. Right. Um, and the digital mindset, on the other hand, is is planning it. Right. And that's the mindset which needs to actually shift in the founders when they're actually creating a digital company uh, from a non-tech personality to a tech personality to a digital founder. That's the shift. And we realized that that shift along with that, uh, there are certain capabilities which they also need on top of it. Whatever I've talked to, talked to you when I was explaining FACVB actually comes in from that analysis that we had while we were having this conversation in around uh, 2014, 15. Um, right. And uh, be not, not having anything at that particular moment <laughs> led to this conversation because he said, you know, let's build this. Right. The challenge over there of building that is uh, we were a startup company, right? Uh, maybe had like three odd people uh, at that particular juncture. Uh, how do we build this now? Right? How do we build this? Because for this to be built for a non-tech founder, we had to playbook everything, right? Right. To make sure that there are things which are set in motion, which which are tried and tested in some capacity to be done. Uh, and okay. that's where the second part of this conversation starts. And uh, I mean, that's the first part of what FACE's journey was in fact. So we right. actually started corporate venture building. Right. So oh. what we really did was we actually started working with really large enterprises. Uh, and we also formed niches in those enterprises, so uh, which we were catering to. Uh, so we've actually worked with and uh, you know had our corporate venturing uh, venture building module sold across to like even IPL teams for that matter, right? So we sold across to 
कि क्या डेली डेडेवल्स वी सोल्ड टू यू नो टू द लाइक्स ऑफ टीवीएस मोटर्स महिंद्रा एंड महिंद्रा वी सोल्ड टू इंडिया टीवी टाइम्स ऑफ नॉट नॉट टाइम्स ऑफ इंडिया 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 टुडे द एग्रो ग्रुप इन फैक्ट वी वर्क विद यू नेम द मीडिया कंपनी वी सॉर्ट ऑफ वर्क इन सम कैपेसिटी विद देम बारिंग टाइम्स राइट सो सो वी 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 स्टार्टेड क्रिएटिंग अ लॉट ऑफ दीज products uh, and product tools which uh, can possibly impact uh, some business kra which they had said typically that business kra was to generate more revenue or generate better insights or traction or time spent on the website or whatever it is so we always started doing that uh, we started building up the capability in tech uh, we started building our capabilities in uh, in in uh, you know growth uh traction uh, our strategy stack we started working on so we 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 really did the hard work and the long work because from 2016 i think 2015 to 2016 to up till 2019 we were just corporate venture building right and we were uh, generating revenues from uh selling the services of this corporate venture building across to these large enterprises because mm-hmm. one thing was very clear is that the founders that we wanted to really work at an early stage we did not uh, uh see them actually paying for the fee and the services because these fee and services were uh, to the tune of like say uh 25 lakhs 30 lakhs for like maybe 3 to 4 months of work that we uh, used to put in right so that capital access is typically not available to a idea stage or a early stage founder so we 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 were very cognizant of that Right. I mean, you'd end up killing them in the process. Oh yeah, we we literally kill them, right? So, uh, so we had to figure out a way of financing, which we we for the longest time we didn't, and uh, it was also all right for us to not uh, uh, figure it out because what was happening on the corporate venture building side was that with each client that we were signing up, right, we were just sharpening the strategy stack that we had. We were sharpening up our tech skills. We were sharpening our product management skills we were sharpening everything on that particular side right so uh and i think around it 2019 we were very very confident that the stack that we've created uh, the assembly line that we have created to the things that we've done the non scalable things that we had done to uh to actually work along with the founders we were ready for it right so we started with that and finally we were also at the same time able to figure out the uh, conundrum of how to go about uh, you know providing these services but not charging uh, the founders for it to not kill them so it turned out to be that we wanted to figure out an equity based model so we actually charge equity with the founders that we work along with right and what happens is we part away with a certain amount of equity for two reasons right so one to check if there's an investor Uh, founder fit so is the founder that we are backing for example investor friendly right in some capacity right and that just helps us to be true and honest because for two reasons right um, a it gets a lot of more people to check on the idea check on the founder right and i make that into a democratic process it's just not me taking the call it's actually a bunch of these co investors taking the call right And, and if there are any flags whatsoever, then you'll catch it. Any flags or anything on that particular side, uh, they sort of get identified over there. So we were able to figure that out, and that financing model or that financing uh, product that we were missing is called first. Right. So 
we started working on first check in some capacity or, or the other around that time and uh, yeah so i mean we shifted the entire model we uh, we shut down but, uh, uh, venture building arm for us uh, we wanted to exclusively focus on uh, you know working along with founders because honestly speaking uh, corporate venture building is nothing but agency work right uh, because they never valued us as partners in whatever capacity that is there right so over here there's a there's a relationship of a partnership and uh, you know there is equity involved so we actually participate in the growth of this venture so we have very very invested into it right so unlike an agency setup which is a fee based setup where i'm just looking for billable hours i'm not looking for billable hours i want to build the correct set of things the right set of things because uh, you benefit at the end of the day from the organization exactly exactly so the model fits in for founders from that particular capacity right so but how does it i, I just want to quickly interject yeah. here so how does it help you or how did you manage your survival part of the whole story so what happens is uh, when the first check is happening the first check is actually uh, us and the first check sort of co-investing and uh, the first check investor sort of uh, buying into some of the equity that we have in us right so they actually do a secondary in some capacity with us over there okay understood so understood so that way you get do, some kind of liquidity out of it yes so we manage the cash flows on that particular side uh, with that uh, now that being said uh, there are more avenues of cash flows that we have right so we've been able to take care of the cash flows now it is predominantly if you ask me from a first check perspective uh, the dependence on cash flows is not there anymore, that much on on that particular side right it's but i'm to, i'm talking early yeah. stage when you guys yeah, are just yeah. setting up so that was stuff. that was correct so now it is more to actually check on the founders uh, you know and see if there is a larger democratized understanding on a the idea right? so if i say it's a filtering process for it's you <laughs> it's a huge it's a great filtering process for us like right. uh, to for the founders that we work along right. right so uh if we, we have something called an opening day where all the investors uh, are invited they can come in it's it's sort of like a webinar where the idea is being presented the founders coming in pitching to these investors and uh these guys take a call on whether to invest or not to invest in nice nice and uh, i mean so so that's that's been the story uh, we are here now we have a lot more other initiatives which are in place as we speak uh, which is very exciting uh, we are we i think there's a growth school that we are launching there's a product school that we are going to be launching there's going to be a lot of bunch of stuff which is which is very very interesting things which will start coming into the future so i i'm going to um, i'm going to jump back uh, uh, into something that you said a little earlier so you said like a year ago you guys basically became uh, profitable or cash yeah. profitable or cash flow positive cash uh, so i mean we broke even so uh, you broke even okay we were, i mean positive only uh, but uh, i mean the, it was very minuscule so i would call it a break even technically uh, no that's fine that's fine okay so that means there's revenue coming in oh, right yes. to the organization sure, sure. how does how does that revenue actually come in if you actually own the company and Uh, how does that 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 relationship work because for any organization survival there's an importance with the revenue uh, quotient in the whole um, aspect of survival yeah, right yeah, yeah. so uh, okay so just help me understand this question better right so are you asking me how the revenue is coming in for us 
Yeah, I'm, I'm basically asking how the revenue so is coming. So, as I said, so one of the key areas that we had was first check, right? Typically coming in from a sale of equity that we typically do in this particular case, right? So I that, got that, yeah. Yeah, so that is a large chunk of the revenue. In the services, for example, is now turning into a source of revenue. Um, hopefully, like the product school, once we launch that, that turns into a, a source of revenue. So, we have multiple areas that we are now just monetizing on top of. So, uh, we've set the so we've broken even because of uh, first check in that particular capacity, right? Now we're growing by creating more revenue sources as we go further, right? So uh, that's evolution, right? So for us, the evolution was that hey, you know, this is one part of it. Uh, obviously, exits and a lot of the equity that we hold, uh, we I think close to manage around assets worth uh, I think fifty uh, CR or something of that sort, if I'm not wrong. Uh, okay. And uh, a lot of the work that we end up doing on the first check is monetized. There are other now revenue, new revenue sources that we are coming along with, uh, which will just make the company overall cash positive over it. Right. So uh, the toughest thing is to first break even, right, with one Correct. source of revenue, right, which will which is scaled up. So first check was that for us, mm-hmm. and uh, from other point, other areas that we were looking at. Now we are looking at just growing those areas, investing uh, money, time, capital uh, you know, into all of that. So Inbi is one, uh, product school is going to be another one, growth school is going to be another one. So right. three, four areas that we know. So there are technically five, six areas. I can talk about three, four areas right now that we are completely looking at it from a monetization perspective. So we are now making investments into that internally, right? Uh, with resources, capital, to just scale up the revenues on that particular side. So we've already started generating revenue on, uh, on NB. Uh, with growth school and product school coming into the picture, I'm assuming we're going to start uh, sort of looking at revenue. So, so it's about how, once you've created some sort of an ecosystem, it's about what are the different revenue sources that you can create right, for yourself. You can build out of that ecosystem, yes, basically. Yes. Yeah. Typically, you'll start with one revenue source. You want to concentrate on one revenue source and then build on top of it. So, because what that does is that it takes care of the bread and butter, right? And the rest of the stuff is just add-ons that we are now extracting value from on whatever infrastructure that you've built, right? Whatever money that you've invested into uh, all of this, for example, is just that. Right. Um, so, it's, it's in your case, it's it's little... Uh, I don't want to say weird, but I don't think it's it's very unique because you're also funding. And at the same time, there's revenue coming in from that funding that's happening. But it's also you become a part of another organization, which you want to encourage revenue there as well. So it's like a trickle effect, but also independent of each other in, in many ways. Right. So it's the idea where we what we always started was we actually wanted to enable uh, founders um, i keep on saying this on a regular uh, 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 typical summit meet which we have every quarter for example that we are in some capacity in line to become berkshire hathways for uh, companies in the startup phase phase in india for so, right so that's that's our job is to hold equity so at the base of it it's uh, equity holding asset holding that we perform as functions along with a bunch of services that we put on top of it itself which helps us improve the value of the equity that we hold. 
right? So we are aligned to the founders at that particular level. We're aligned to all the angel investors in the first check capacity from that particular perspective. Uh, we're also aligned with our financial motives in that particular sense, right? So it's a beautiful alignment of the three-party agreement and all the three parties keep each other in check, right? Right. And, and how important is revenue for FAVC in itself as an as an entity or as an organization? Well, it, it is uh, uh, one of the key things that we always focus on, right? Uh, so the story goes like that. It's, it's uh, I mean, we're funded in some capacity, right? So the funding came in around 2015, 2016. Uh, there were two family offices. Uh, I mean, one turned out, I mean, when, when we were starting out, when they had funded us, it was sort of running from a family capacity, a family Sort of, uh, sort of family office sort of a capacity, but it's turned converted itself into a professionally run sort of a uh, fund now. Uh, it's called uh, it was called Grow India Capital when uh, back then. It's called Windows Capital now, and uh, we also have uh, Singapore Angel Network, which is uh, a family office uh, that uh, is sort of run by the Takal family of Singapore itself. So. We actually had the good fortune of actually working with these two uh, uh, investors. Uh, predominantly, they've been very patient with us, right? So, uh, it's 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 been a lot of patient work which is coming in, and revenue has been important for us because we've never raised a round after that, right? Uh, yeah. The, the so that's eight in the last seven years you haven't raised. Yes, yes we have not raised yeah. anything. So the money which was raised back then was, I mean, has been utilized, taken up over the course of that particular period. So obviously we've been doing something right so that we can steer the ship towards uh, you know, what we are today. So revenue has always been critical for us because uh, in the founding partner team of KFC, uh, all three of us are non-tech. And uh, if you're not a tech founder, I, I mean, we've, we've actually learned a lot of tech over the years. Uh, of course, that's part of the it's part of the the process. Education is a part of Harshit's education is a part of Pranav's education, right? Um, it's part of an entrepreneur's ed- education. I mean, exactly. if you if, you, agreed, if you're not going to learn new things, then you're not yeah, an entrepreneur. Agreed, agreed. So, I mean, but that being said, at the same time, if you're not a founder and uh, you're not impacting revenue in some capacity or the other, it is uh, it is then what is this organization all about? We've been uh, revenue focused. We've uh, tried to figure out ways, different chops and changes, different models of how we can revenue in corporate venture building, as well as in this particular uh, uh, kind of uh, venture building that we're currently doing with the founders itself, right? And it's it's beautiful. Now, what has happened is we've been able to scale up one source of revenue, and now we're looking at multiple sources of revenue from uh, this itself. So. It's a it's a it's a beautiful cycle that we have, uh, and revenue has always been very very critical for us, right? So, how can we create a venture building ecosystem which is self sustaining and true to itself, right? Because, and specifically in India, right? So, incubators, accelerators are typically uh, funded or from from a government standpoint, or they're funded from say a corporate backer point of view itself, yeah, right? Uh, or a funding model, house. Yeah, or a funding house or something of that sort, right? So yeah. there's always a capital backer over there. So nobody's uh, nobody on a early stage side of things uh, at an accelerator or an incubator level is has figured out a business model out of this, right? Because they they 
the there's always a shortfall over there which is coming in which is gets funded via a larger body which has say capital uh, backing it up from that particular larger body right so there's not an optimized uh, business flow what we've been able to do is we've been able to run that ship without right. large capital backing us in any capacity on a regular mm. basis itself so that is the beauty of the whole model that we've been able to sort of create wow so um as these companies grow that you're involved with right um they all require funding in some format or the other for growth for scaling um if they're not revenue generating then for survival as well right um but i'm assuming that by you being a part of it you're already guiding them down the path of a recurring revenue model in terms of uh you, you know uh, a business model as you as you build with them correct me if i'm wrong so you're correct over there right so i think uh, one of the key focus that we want to keep with the founders uh, is because we have also been very revenue focused is that uh, you focus on the revenue you focus on the traction you focus on building the right set of things and creating value at the right set of areas itself right uh, uh, there's a consistent saying which i keep on talking to some of the founders i chat up with a lot of internal people that uh, you know you can always create the taj mahal right so i mean it's the easiest thing to do you know the exact layout and everything on that particular side the question is not that right the question is that does the public want to see another taj mahal right and that's where the proof of the pudding lies right for anyone which is creating a venture because if you look at any venture uh there are multiple ways of multiple lenses to evaluate and look at ventures right but at the core of it uh, all the ventures are doing one thing and one thing only is creating something of value which a lot of people will want to buy right? there is nothing more to it there is nothing less on that particular there is no rocket science behind this there is no rocket science you're going to buy I mean, the rocket science starts coming in when 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 uh, we start looking at uh, how do we build it what is this what is that those are things which start coming in later but at the core base principle of it every venture is just that right and what is more interesting on top of that is uh, how do we go about financing the whole thing right because you that's the second part of the question that you were talking and referring to when we were talking about uh, so there is no correct way of financing or incorrect way of financing it uh, money or capital if i have to call it is one of those things which does not see sex gender or color or anything right so it right. is one of those few resources i mean all the resources do that but like this particular resource there is nothing on that particular side so there is no i mean money is just money right um, capital is just capital right it has nothing on that particular side for any um it depends on company to company there are different use cases uh, equity uh, funding has a different set of pros and cons attached to it um debt funding or revenue based funding and there are so many different models of uh, revenue based funding which is coming in uh, there is uh, and that, that's a very interesting space in itself right uh, uh, there's a very traditional debt based funding which is there uh, which uh, against which assets basically right uh not necessarily there are unstructured loans uh so right the thing is it depends on a uh, the maturity of the company uh, and maturity of the company is not in the number of years right it's about the yeah. maturity of the business model and where you are at right correct 
and again so it depends and all companies again coming back down to this basic principle in finance all companies are black boxes you have to first start thinking of all companies as black boxes where you put in some xyz amount of money right for growth or for whatever purpose it is it gives you a return back on that money right so so principally speak uh, say uh, a lot of investors build their business models on uh, whether to invest or not to invest on not just pnl accounts but more importantly on to get a better understanding of the business on an ltv to cse model right so there's a business modeling uh, a framework called lifetime value to customer acquisition cost yeah what that typically does at a at a macro scale and again it, there are two three variations of ltv to cse depending on what variation that you're making uh, yeah. what it does it tells you that if you invest 1 rupee right in in this business to acquire this one customer because majority of the money that you will ever utilize that you're going to raise whether it's debt equity or equity there might be difference but if you're doing revenue based financing uh, or you're doing debt financing right yeah uh, you'll be raising money to actually put in growth right now mm. the, the evaluation over there is very simple if i put money on acquiring customer one rupee of acquisition of uh, spent on acquiring a customer when every the assumption is that everything is set you know you you've invested into the product you've invested into the team all of those things have been taken into account what will this company give me for that one rupee over the course of 5 years for example that one rupee that i've invested in acquiring customers what will that give me as a return right those multiples that you get on to an ltv to cac sheet is just that right so if it is a 4 is to 1 for example so every rupee that i invest today right will give me the company will give me a 4x return over the course of 5 years in terms of the money which is coming back or 5 5 rupees or 6 rupees so what you're te- technically saying is no matter what company is doing in the, inside this black box it doesn't matter to me this ratio mm-hmm. just tells me that you know this is the kind of money which i will get back for it on on return now the question right. is whether you, you have this as on good authority do you have it on the basis of the numbers that you've been running right right if you have the actual numbers and this is the kind of ratios that you're coming in uh, and your your revenue cycles or your finance cycles your capital cycles are very very defined then the best format of uh, uh, funding is either revenue based financing or debt financing because what what is very clear is what are your margins you know what is the kind of money that you can do uh, utilize to sort of you know scale it up on growth spend on ads spend on acquisition of customers because your company is now mature enough to understand you know what sort of revenue cycles or uh, you know uh, financial cycles do you run through you know what is that payback period if i invest one rupee today how much in how much time will i get that one rupee back if i'm investing into inventory of the product how much time would it take back for me to recover that money? and what is the uh, margin so when i say margin if you've invested 1 rupee into inventory for example in that one cycle of selling the product across to someone and then getting back money from from that particular machinery how much time does it take for you to do that because time has a huge factor with, uh, when it comes down to understanding you know, for example if if you are if you're in a very low margin business but the revenue cycle is uh, 10 days for example the return on capital that you've invested the return on capital that you've invested is 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 
tremendously high because your cycles are running really quickly right 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 so if you have that understanding and that maturity uh in inside the company then hands down the best way of funding is actually debt or revenue right if you don't have that understanding internally inside the company uh and in your venture and this call can only be taken by the founders right so uh, founders have to be really really cautious on when you have to touch debt or revenue uh, or when you have to touch uh, you know equity if you don't have any of this i think the best thing to do is shut up and take the equity financing right because <laughs> what you're going to be doing is you're going to be discovering a lot of things over there right so there are things which have not been built yet correctly or there are things which have to be built correctly or they have to there's a lot of r&d work which has to be put in and equity actually works on that the downside of equity is that you're actually giving up ownership in fact it's the most costliest if from one particular lens if you have to evaluate equity equity is a loan which has no period of ending right it is an indefinite Correct. loan when Correct. when i was taught finance it it was taught to me as it was as you have to treat it as if it's an indefinite loan and an exactly. indefinite loan is a hugely costly loan to any agreed and it does not have a a open date it has no uh, you know uh, money which uh, i mean there is no like ceiling typically to equity right also correct i mean there are now various models built on top of that where you have ceilings put in to buy back shares and do all of that stuff but in early stage you don't you don't get to get an option from the investor side to do any of this right so exactly you can't tell that hey i want to give yeah, you second exactly. grade so, so, <laughs> shares or no, the, the kind of power on that particular side is does not exist right so typically it's yeah. not created in that particular format until unless uh, that being said uh, the caveat over here is i've always put work in asterisks if the founder who is coming in is maybe a second third time founder killed it in the last organization killed it gave all exits across maybe then he can negotiate i i'm right. i'm not too sure about it because i've never been in that position i i don't speak from experience uh, but i do see that sort of an environment getting that sort of a negotiation happen but, but in general second time third time founders have a much uh, better clarity in what to do and how to do it right? yeah because they've already been there done that yeah agreed agreed i i then agreed with you over there on that particular aspect they have much more experience and much more better understanding on how to go about doing that their ecosystems are far bigger far larger the circle of influence is far larger right exactly so they're more sorted so uh, again so if it's a first time founder uh, go for equity financing when you don't know what your business looks like uh it's a costly affair but it will it's it's a means to an end to create something of value right uh that being said as you as your company as you feel your company is maturing right revenue and debt financing start playing a larger role uh debt financing uh even for a more mature company where you've done like these financial cycles of around uh 12 to 13 times for example 12 to 50 times because you you stabilized uh, those revenue cycles for example right in that case you should definitely go for debt financing uh, revenue based financing is still better off because my assumption is that uh, they do it on revenue receipts the money back is actually on revenue receipts so uh, while it sort of works on uh, debt models uh, it is it it gives you a little bit more of leeway in terms of uh, when the payment has to be made back across 
and the interest payment has to be made back across or whatever xyz thing has to be paid back across because that gives you that flexibility which was missing right uh, from debt because debt typically will have uh, principal plus interest or just interest and then one lump sum payment of principal coming back again multiple structures which can come in on debt also but uh, the flexibility uh, has always been missing at debt financing right so right. revenue fills in that gap really really well so revenue financing can be taken up slightly earlier uh, uh, in terms of the maturity of the company maybe you plan like two three cycles of uh, and in fact all the revenue based financing providers typically will ask for maximum of maybe two or three odd uh, uh, cycles uh, which typically will be 6 to 8 months of a statement and understanding you know what is the uh, uh, huh. return on advertising spend and all of that stuff so they will their jargons will be their their input data points will be very very different from if you go to like say uh, even a large uh, uh, unstructured lending company for example over there they will do maybe two years three years of understanding of their data points before you know uh, extending the loan interest correct correct so so revenue comes in in a very unique spot uh, loan is is one of the most mature markets and in fact is uh, the best market in terms of uh, you know uh, in terms of scaling up growth so uh, i love founders who uh, will want to sort of raise debt capital or revenue based capital uh, as they grow because i that just gives me so much confidence on the founders because they are confident that they will be able to pull it off they will be able to make the, these payments back and right. uh, they want to preserve the equity that they hold right uh, it shows the maturity that they have as they've grown uh, yeah, down yeah 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 they they, they understand uh, their model they understand how their business is yeah right? uh, they know that you know if i take 1 rupee from an equity guy versus i take 1 rupee from uh, a debt or a revenue based financing guy uh, there's a huge dip, i mean so so the okay so the challenge with equity financing it looks glamorous Uh, right so yeah. revenue based financing and debt based financing are never spoken about right? so your debt rounds uh, nobody speaks about oh that guy raised 500 crore <laughs> for debt nobody i mean it's very rarely spoken right from a correct. financial perspective correct uh, unless it's, it's 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 tied to an equity deal right yeah unless it's tied to an equity deal or there's a debt is a, co- a component of equity plus sort of a debt sort of a deal correct right correct. so uh, it's not spoken about and that's unfortunate because uh, uh, because debt if someone's taking pure debt or someone's taking pure revenue uh, they have killed it in the market because they understand what is going to happen they correct. have clarity they have surety they are confident on what they're going to be doing right so um, that i think uh, is a is an unfortunate thing but i specifically Uh, and in fact uh, kind of i think everyone in the team also agrees that uh, after a certain point in time the the founders should look at debt revenue based financing as the critical markets uh, right financing their growth um what is more interesting uh, then is that uh, what okay uh, so is that debt markets uh, i'm not too sure about the revenue based financing market but debt markets debt instruments is mm-hmm. are bigger right then the equity yeah. markets like i yeah. i mean i can any particular day if, if i wake up the first thing i if someone asks me is debt market bigger than the uh, equity market i will say yes definitely hands down yeah hands down but nobody knows it and nobody is 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 aware it's of it because it's the... not it's not cool <laughs> the, answer, <laughs> the answer is very simple over there. 
it's not cool <laughs> enough right you you don't get uh, to be listed on your story or you don't get to be listed yeah. on uh, uh, in 42 or uh, maybe forbes or fortune True. Uh, for raising debt which is correct fortune. which is sad i mean in a lot of ways it's really sad right i mean uh, it is it is it, 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 it's it, not sad i mean it's just like it's just how the world works right so and uh, the good part <laughs> is uh, the founders who are uh, i mean raising debt or revenue uh, yeah they're minting money they are the ones who, who have no pressure uh, this insane amount of in- investor pressure there's insane amount of uh, uh, you know wanting to exit from investors there's a lot of things which a founder has to deal with in fact one founder has to be dedicated to just managing investors managing <clears throat> yeah which a lot okay. of people don't understand the first time founders definitely do not understand what will happen right? correct uh, correct and uh, and you actually have to hear a lot more things on how to build the company uh, from the investor because the investor typically starts owning more equity right so you look at uh, how investors typically grow into a larger picture like in terms of larger holding by the time you go to an ipo if you ever go to an ipo or a, if you if you ever come to an acquisition say typically most founders have been diluted to maybe like say single digit percentage of that right i mean look at uh, amazon just just look at amazon i think um jeff bezos owns something like 19% that's pretty much it right that's the liquidation 90% of a really large company <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes i'm not, i'm not denying really i'm not denying company. that no no 19% of a really large company which makes him the richest person right you know, 19% of that company <laughs> i'm not denying that okay by, by no means but i'm saying for him to get there he had to liquidate so much is that that's which what i'm saying which is again fair and fine because see uh, there's money which is involved right people will ask for uh, uh, equity share holding inside the company they're not giving out money and doling out money for free but uh, true. again uh, so i think we're we're talking about digital companies or we're talking about uh, yeah digital product companies specifically right they all of them have this option of uh, you know once they figure out the revenue cycles i would say not go for equity i mean again it's a very personal choice for the founder i i go for equity it really doesn't matter to me also uh, but typically if i was in their shoes if i have figured out my revenue i would have definitely pivoted and gone towards debt revenue based models much more than equity based again it's a personal choice it's 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 something that i know there are reasons and uh, areas that you would want to go to i mean it's 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 every every case is unique in itself yes. and you know based on that that uniqueness of your case you have to take a call and like, there's no uh, right and wrong yeah like in fact uh, i'll give you another example if you're uh, working towards uh, if you're a mature company whose revenues are known right yeah but you're uh, getting into a new business line altogether yeah that's when equity again makes sense in a mature company right so that's one another use case which is very unique because over there you're going to be experimenting you know over there Correct. there there could be different structures that you can get into over there uh, but that's that's one of the areas another very important thing right so a lot of people uh, sort of discount this there are companies which are not fundable at a vc level right so when when i say this particular line i don't mean that we, we hate the company or the founder is not that great 
there are certain business models that the VC cannot fund. Like the venture capital companies cannot fund. See, and for that, I think the founders have to understand how VCs work. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's not their own money. So let me just start by saying that. <laughs> right. Uh, it's also very important for us as to who you're taking equity funding. So when I first, I, and this is more of a throwback, when I first said that we actually hired uh, great investors when we started out, who were very mm-hmm. patient with us. Not every investor is going to be patient with you. Yeah. So, yeah. depending on how the structure is created, because typically, if you're looking at uh, majority of the uh, VC funds in India are AIF category one funds, right? So, uh, this is a semi license that they get to uh, pull in money from limited partners. Uh, mm-hmm. So, limited partners are folks who actually put in. So, when someone says that you know an XYZ fund raised hundred million dollars. Yeah. What it means is that there are limited partners who have pulled in and put in money with some amount of money from, say, a managing partner. Managing partner or a general partner is the one who is typically uh, liable and managing these funds or the asset that is under management. Right. Right. Uh, they've pulled in money uh, with certain uh, prospectus where they have to return this money at a particular IRR rate, which is a guaranteed in some capital. In some areas, it's guaranteed. And so it, that is a complicated prospectus which gets created typically, right? Where they're returning the money back in some percentage, uh, typically a, a high, higher percentage than the normal interest rate that you typically see, predominantly because these are riskier assets. And how a fund makes more money on top of that is if they overperform on that commitment that you're making, right? That's what we call as carry internally. Right? So carry is typically... Uh, on overperformance, right? So whatever money that is being made and you overperformed on the returns on the capital that you that you had promised, whatever percentage that has been made, uh, the division of that money or that overperformance is going to happen between, uh, say, the fund as uh, and the fund manager in the fund uh, and the LPs. Right? So it typically is a 60, 40, 70, 30 sort of a split. Right, seventy percent of the uh, overperformance goes to the LP, thirty uh, percent of of that goes to, and it's a great phenomenal way of monetizing a fund. Right? So there's management fees and there's a lot of other things, but a fund is always in the race of uh, exit, right? Right. So the reason why that happens, uh, Ben, is because all of these uh, funds have like an expiry date attached to it, right? So they have to correct. Uh, return this money. So there's a call to money. Call to money, I mean, it might not be the correct term, but there is a drawdown is what it's called. Right. Uh, to the investor. So a drawdown is typically when they want the money to start hitting their bank. From that right. time onwards to the time it, the money gets invested to uh, the time you exit. All of this has to return some particular return that they've promised. Right. So the investors are looking for companies, at least VC fund investors are looking for companies which uh, which will be able to provide an exit in the course of the next five, six, seven odd years, depending on how long the fund is, sometimes it's even 10 years. Right? So typically, a 10-year fund will typically look at, uh, uh, for once they start investing, looking into companies which can mature and give them exits, whether it's IPO or you know uh, uh, an acquisition or whatever it is. Right? Um, in the next, uh, say, seven years, 
right? Even yep. then, you're fun because they now yep. need to start planning for that and start returning the money back and start closing. Totally, back, totally. Right? So they're in that race. So if they see a company which is which is doing well, which is uh, which has a solid business model, but does not look like it can grow on a crazy speed and hyper growth and yeah and cannot uh, return their money back in seven years, they will say no to it. Because it doesn't fit into the model that they had agreed to sort of start investing, right? Uh, juxtapose this to company. I mean, so it's tough for those companies to find capital, and you know, revenue and debt become great options for these bootstrap companies. In fact, bootstrap companies will typically prefer you know, after a particular scale and size that they'll uh, go for uh, debt funding, for example, right? So. Those sort of companies again uh, have great avenues in the form of debt and uh, ref financing. So again, very very contextual to to the sort of companies which are there. Very very contextual to the investors, what their viewpoint is, and an overall understanding of what that ecosystem looks like. Right. So a VC ecosystem is very very different. This is a very different game that is being played over there of quick growth. Uh, you know. Uh, Exits, all of that stuff, which is there, right? So that's why you see them doing up around so quickly, right? They fund you mm. twelve months down the line. They fund you even for more money, and <laughs> then suddenly eight months down the line, they fund you for even more money at a higher valuation, right? So all of that is is a part and parcel of the game that they actually play, right? Correct. And the unfortunate truth is also there that you know the majority of their investments fail, like. A lot of VCs do not say this out loud, but the majority of their investments fail. Right? So uh, the ratio is ten uh, is to one typically, or five is to one, for example, for really good. Exactly. Right. So I mean, I, mean, I, th- I think in in a pool, what they do is, I mean, it's, it's so so crazy that they're looking at that such a high level of hyper growth that they can meet these demands that uh, that the investors are putting into their fund. That that's what they're trying to achieve. And they know the fail rate is so high, so they just look at it as a burn rate and just keep going. Like it's 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 a burn rate, but they actually have a very smart model, right? So what they do is they they uh, close on their bets which are not working at all at all early stage, right? So correct, correct. So and in fact, majority of the capital will always be deployed to the winners, right? So of course, yes, because the rounds become bigger and bigger as they go, and and their chance of redeeming that, it is much higher. Yeah, the, the game is to actually invest the majority of the capital in the company which will give you the rounds. Right? Yeah. For a VC fund, that's the game. That's their business. True. Right? true. Uh, that's their model. They can talk about being enablers of entrepreneurs, which is true, like in from a capital sense. But their business model is not about enabling capital, uh, enabling entrepreneurs. Right? Yeah. Their business is about returning money to the investors or LPs. Investors, yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> That that's where it comes down. Very interesting, right? So if if awesome. if we talk about uh, family offices in India, right, which are investing, yeah, or corporate uh, funds which are investing, those guys are very different. They are they are most likely looking at maybe an acquisition, or they're looking at synergy, or they're looking for solid businesses who can. Whether I mean they're very very patient with their capital because that's their capital, right? Unlike which. Unlike a VC fund, which takes capital from a third party and then invests, right, promising unrealistic returns in, in, in a manner exactly. of speaking. Yeah, so I mean, the variance is there, right? So their true VC funds have a very different thing. 
your family office funds or corporate funds for example will have a very different uh, uh, thesis on which they're investing and the model that they're investing in majority of the cases they'll try to uh, find synergies and invest cases with synergies right or maybe they're looking for digital transformation right uh, digital transformation of uh, maybe finding a new business model in their own uh, ecosystem that uh, is there right and uh, maybe then buying the company out that's way of managing innovation for that for, for at a corporate level maybe at a family office level also. Mm-hmm. so so see again who you're getting the money from uh, what stage is your company at what maturity their company has gotten into or what scale it is at all of these factors there are so many factors which come into deciding which is the best source of uh, financing because all of these are just ways of getting capital totally yeah so what we've done is we've actually given a large scope of different and you've not given anyone an answer on <laughs> what is the best thing for you but no no but i think i think say ultimately like you said it's it's very personal it's up to the founder to decide what works for them and they need to decide putting and weighing in the pros and cons the the important thing is that you need to be able to make an informed decision if you don't have the information on the table then you can't make an informed decision right yeah. and most people jump into these decisions without actually seeing the big larger score which you've basically um, highlighted in a in a quick way in a very uh, summarized format but i think it's 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 ultimately extremely important that we do it and and it's great that you did thank you uh and you know like and at the end of the day it's capital right so it's money right? so exactly i mean i mean there are terms to return it and there are terms to not return it and be indefinite but it's capital and that capital is what enables you to build whatever you're building or grow whatever you so that is yeah. one of those areas which i i personally believe uh, i i i have studied a large part of my uh, my graduation on that particular side so i i i'm very interested in hearing new financing models and hearing new things which are coming so nice i have a decent understanding i'm i'm not the best at it but uh, <laughs> yeah nice and it's good that so, people should get educated on that side i think it's it's very very totally. important uh, to understand the pros and the cons everything totally. comes with pros and cons yep totally i'm i'm going to take i mean we've we've deep dove it was like a deep dive into finance more than revenue per se but i think it's it was a very very welcome uh information download i will say that way like it was amazing uh insights that you've shared today here but i want to take a uh, a couple of steps back i i usually sit and i i have uh common questions that i ask to uh, my guests in my shows um and in this case i want it, to it's totally out of place in some in some format because we're talking about a heavy topic and i'm going to yeah. totally go away from it but i want to see I, i want people to know that you're also just a person see ultimately and so I, i'm going to ask you a bot talking over here <laughs> sorry i'm not a bot talking over here for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, in a manner of speaking right <laughs> but yeah so uh i, I usually uh, we call them rapid fire questions random questions whatever you want to call it right um i'm not sure if you're a voracious reader but if you are a reader uh what's your favorite book sapiens by yuval noah harari 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, what's your favorite hobby? I like to make coffee. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not trained to be a barista, but I've actually learned it myself. So I love making a cup of coffee. Oh, wow. That's a very unique hobby. I mean, that's, that's perhaps uh, one of the few things I have like unique answers I've got so far. All right, cool. Um, we did hear your phone multiple times coming on. So Android versus iPhone. Uh, Apple. <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> iPhone. Yeah. It wasn't, okay. it wasn't, it wasn't my uh, phone. It was my Apple watch, which uh, Siri basically thought I was giving her a command and it got activated somehow. Got it. Got it. I mean, yeah. Okay. Apple versus Android. I think I, I, I should have, I should change the question that way. Oh, then. Apple, Apple awesome. the ecosystem. Yeah. Like it. Awesome. Then, um, one of my final, uh, questions, um, what's the most used app on your phone? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know what it is. I, give me a second. <laughs> I'm just going to check my users. <laughs> okay. While you're checking, um, I'll ask you one final question. Um, if there's one thing you dread about entrepreneurship, what is it? Dread about entrepreneurship. Yep. Everyone talks about, oh, I love entrepreneurship. I love this. I love, I'm, I'm going the opposite direction. I'm saying, okay, what's the one thing that you wish did not exist in entrepreneurship? Oh, uh, it's very simple. Uh, a lot of posturing, which I see in entrepreneurs, right? So, uh, a lot of keywords, which they end up utilizing. So blockchain, web three, uh, IOT, AI, ML. Uh, I can name the keywords, right? So I know exactly the keywords which people come in. So got it. It's 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 the jargons which end up being utilized in. in I, and I'm a part of parcel of that itself, right? So I also utilize a lot of jargons. It's not funny. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, at the same time, I think it, it's important to understand what these jargons mean, and understanding what use cases you're building. Like you building a web three application uh, is cool. But what does your Web3 application do or what does your AI ML application does, right? And how will you build the AI ML application, right? Because you don't have treasure troves of data, right? So, <laughs> so true. sometimes it's it's tough, right? So it's it's then the whole idea is if you want to build and that's the stepping stone that you're going to, right? Uh, that's the area that you're marking for. What is the thing that you want to be doing in the interim? You can't just hold your hands, hold your hands and say that, you know, hey, I want to build that now fund me. You have to figure out a way to how you will get towards that data right? on AIML, specifically on AIML. When people come in, they come in with like, we will put in AIML. It's like, how will you put in AIML? When you don't have any data, you don't own any proprietary data. You've not created an application which has that data. So the idea is to figure that stepping stone out. So I think that part of uh, entrepreneurship, I, 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 there is a, there is a, there, I mean, it, it works also because of that. It also doesn't work because of that. And a lot of people get into entrepreneurial ventures thinking that uh, they will, uh, I mean, they'll see the success stories. Uh, there's 99 failure stories for every success story. which is there. So you have to hustle, right? You have to do that. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple, straightforward uh, lines which will be created. For you. If it is, you're one of the lucky ones. Count your lucky stars. Right, uh, it's not going to be easy. Jargons will not help you. Revenue yeah. will. Right? I mean, I think AIML is perhaps the most abused jargon in 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 the field. I mean, um, I was talking to an adaptive systems person a couple of years ago, and he was 
explaining to me how that word is so brutally misused. And saying, you know, even to have a rudimentary AI uh, or ML system set up, the amount of data that you need to have is just, it's insane. And how new companies come and basically say, oh, you know, we're an AI and ML enabled company. <laughs> it, it's it's quite uh, hilarious, but anyway, I mean, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. Uh, we all got to do what we got to do to get through and uh, get to that place where you actually do that, right? Okay, so the app which I utilize the most is Reddit. Reddit. Okay, yes. that's interesting. I've I've had uh, multiple answers, but Reddit is a is the first time. The second one is Great. YouTube after that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah, it's usually YouTube or WhatsApp or one of those um, uh, communication apps or consumption apps. My phone like is media. majorly on D&D in most of the times of the day, so I end up not utilizing WhatsApp that much. I right. read a lot of content on Reddit. I discover a lot of content on Reddit. And I typically do that at night. So I spend a large amount of time on Reddit at night. So that's uh, your zone. Yeah, same case with YouTube. I see a lot of videos, a long form videos on YouTube. So those are the right. two reasons as to buy. I mean, these are the two most. Nice. Awesome. And it's been phenomenal having you on the call. Uh, I mean, yeah. on the podcast. Um, I mean, you've opened insightful um, points, which I think we can discuss for weeks on end <laughs> if we really deep dive into a lot of this. But um, you've actually summarized it all in such a nice way that a common person can actually understand. So I want to, first of all, say thank you so much for taking the time uh, and space to come and be on the show with us. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me over. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and uh, I look forward to this episode launching soon. Definitely. So anyway, thank you so much and uh, have a good one. Take care, man. It's all about money, and you get to peek into the secrets of leveraging it. If you like this podcast, then what are you waiting for? Subscribe here now and follow us on social media. Don't miss another episode. Join us next week right here on Revenue Decoded. This show is brought to you by BridgeUp.